Hello, friends. I hope you're doing well in these very interesting times we're living in. We will have a new president of the United States in January, and it looks like Pfizer has created a COVID-19 vaccine, and the distribution could start as early as December for the people with compromised immune systems like the elderly, people with asthma, people with diabetes. Maybe they'll get this uh, vaccine in December. I have diabetes. I'd love to get the vaccine. Things are looking up, but we still need to mask up. Social distance and stay home when you can. The virus can't spread if it doesn't have a host. That's why masks are very important. And just staying away from other people keeps it at bay. If we all got on the same page, we could end COVID faster. But there are a lot of people out there that are trying really hard to keep it going. You can spot them pretty easily. They don't wear masks when everyone around them is wearing one. And I don't trust these people. And I give them lots of space and no interactions. Karma will find them. Now today's guest is Juan Soto, a staple in the restaurant industry here in Laramie. I feel ease when I see him working in a restaurant because I know his work ethic and he has great charisma. Now I learned a few things about Juan during the interview, like where he's from. I thought he was a Laramie kid. I was wrong. Let's get to the interview. I was born in Laramie, but I was raised in Wheatland. Born here at Ivinson Hospital. Yes, sir. Uh, parents take you back to Wheatland, or did they did they meet here? Is that how you were born here? So I was born here and then moved over to Wheatland uh, real young, real young, because the powerhouse was going on over in Wheatland, and my dad was an electrician. And so I moved over to Wheatland, and I was over there until about sixth grade. And then after that, I was in Boston until 10th grade. Big wow. change, right? Super big change. You know, a li little bit of a culture shock. Uh, but, but then went back to Wheatland, uh, finished up my half of sophomore year. And then my last year as a high school, graduated out of Wheatland, came here for college. Wow. That is all over the place. So how did your parents meet? How did they get create the wand? <laughs> well, well, I don't know all of that, but yeah. um, they got together, I believe. Um, my dad was working over here at the university. He was uh, he was a hot carrier, you know, doing concrete, worked at the university. My mother worked for um, Mountain Bell back at the time, which, you know, became uh, AT&T and whatever it is now. Okay. But uh, she, she was an operator. And they met over in Cheyenne at the GI Forum. They went to a dance together and, uh, you know, went to that dance and ended up hanging out a bit together. So they got together over in Cheyenne and um, got married. And here I be. So are you the only child or? Do you have yes. No, nope. I am the only one, man. That, it, it, it was a blessing and a curse all at the same time. It was uh Oh my goodness, we're not going to have another one after this one. So Holy it was God. just it just my, just myself. Wow, 
I have three siblings, all sisters. And oh, man. I can't imagine. So I kind of had my own because I was the only boy. So kind of had my own thing going on sometimes. And there's, I have a couple big age gaps between siblings. So there were times where being the only boy had its benefits, but you couldn't like blame anybody else. You had to like, you, if you did something bad, you were in trouble. Like it, it, there was another sibling. That's, you don't know any different. That's interesting. Oh, um, absolutely, man. It's, it's all me, man. And I think that's why I was so outgoing when I got into school and, and all of those things, because it was just me growing up as a kid. So uh, I had to have some social interaction. I gotcha. Uh, so what were you like growing up as a kid? Activity-wise, good students, sports, plays, musicals? Loved, 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 loved basketball, man. That basketball and skateboarding were my two things. And I, I really loved, I, I skateboarded all the time up until about sixth grade, man. That was the only thing I wanted to do was just skate, skate, skate. And uh, basketball-wise, I'm still very, very short. And when I was, you know, growing up, I was a, a little dude, but I loved Larry Bird. I loved the Celtics. They were my absolute favorite team in the world. And in a time when everybody loved the Lakers and Magic Johnson, I was like, oh, no, man, it's got to be all about the Celtics. But uh, I loved all those guys. I, I wanted to be Larry Bird when I was a kid. I wanted to play basketball and, and do that, but uh, just wasn't in the cards, you know, obviously. And uh, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, that was probably my favorite thing to do was to just shoot baskets anytime I got a chance. Nice, it's good. I, I, a lot of kids, uh, you know, want to grow up and play sports. I thought I was going to play football till um, last until oh, yesterday. <laughs> last college was like, uh, you can walk on, and I was like, well, no, I don't know about that. I could walk on the University of Wyoming. And then I went and watched their practice and went, I'm done with football. So, uh, I mean, sports are awesome and they definitely keep us motivated in life. And, but then we get height challenged. And uh, sure. I think I had a coach say, I thought you were taller. And I was just, <clears throat> this is it. I didn't expect any sort of, you know, high school on our college, you know, growth. It was, it was it. I was about the same height as my dad, and that wasn't going anywhere after that. And so I was like, I can't grow high, taller, but I can you know, get stronger and everything. But they weren't interested. So, yeah, you definitely have to change your uh, ways. But do you still shoot hoops anytime? God, I can't tell you the last time I shot hoops, man. It's, it's been at least five-plus years. And maybe it's just one one shot. Not like Barack, you know. He hit a three and then walked off and said, that's what I do. That's not me, man. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of shots in the last 10 years. I would play volleyball at the rec center a lot and they basketball hoops and anything. One day I was like, oh, I'll shoot some hoops while I'm sitting here. It made me sore. Legitimately made my arm. I couldn't remember the last time I shot prior to that. But I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm sore from just shooting baskets. I don't use these muscles. I mean, I played volleyball, but. I wasn't using the basket. It was weird for a person. And I know you probably shot and I did growing up. My dad was way into basketball. So we, there was lots of father son moments in, uh, on the court. Did your uh, dad play basketball with you on the court? A lot? Yeah, very much so a lot. And, uh, he always instilled in me, you better make your free throws. Just 
whatever you do, man, you got to hit those. But I'm with you, like, you know, over the last couple of years, it seems like the free throw line is a lot farther. The oh. three-point line was a lot farther than it used to be. And you know, it was uh, – it, it didn't seem that uh, that hard of a shot to make. And, you, you know, you put up about three or four threes. Like, oh, man, I'm with you, man. My shoulders hurt me. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I do get it, though. When you start shooting a lot and you have a good day of shooting and you're on, you can't miss. So when these NBA players, people are like, wow, they're not missing. I'm like, do you know how much they shoot in a day? Like, I'm surprised they miss because they're always just shooting, shooting always. So it's a, it's, it's a fun sport. But yet I never had that competitive drive like my dad wanted me to in basketball like I did in football. So I just liked playing and I kind of hear you like any given moment, oh, shoot baskets. Sure. I'm in. So were you in like into any other thing? Were you a good student? No, <laughs> no. And I'm still not at 44 years old. I, I'm trying to do this again. And I'm, I'm not that good of a student, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I was an okay student, I guess. I, you know, I, I guess we're being honest, man. I just did the bare minimum and just did what I could do to get by. Uh, I was more about extracurricular stuff like uh, hanging out with folks and, and, you know, being in the commons with people and, and just doing things like that. I'm uh, never very good in math, never really, really good in science at all, but uh, you know, everything else I was okay. in, And, and uh, um, you know, just, I guess, did enough to get enrolled over here. <laughs> if, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think I did. I, high school is when it probably made more sense that education was important. And if I wanted to go on and play football, you had to at least get good enough grades, not the best grades. And so like a certain SAT score or, or basically enough to go play college football or go to the University of Wyoming. And that latter came true. And, uh, but I was not good at it. I, I was not the greatest student. I'm left-handed. And that's I, I am too. I, am I don't too. Know, you know. I mean, I didn't know any left-handers until my halfway through elementary school. I don't think I met another one. Um, so I had no tricks. Nobody knew how to teach me how to be left-handed. They would all and all my teachers fought against it. My mom was, you know, kept strong and said, do not change him from not being, you know, too right-hander um i can putt i think i can bat a little bit right-handed um there's a lot of things you can mirror but it kind of backed me up in everything from learning how to write to learning how to spell to everything because i was just backed up because i'm just trying to mirror everybody and so that's why i became a bad student after a while uh i was just struggling just stay up just because you have to look at everybody else to see what they do. And, but I always stuck out. You could see me in football tapes. My, I'm the only one that went in a left-handed stance. So did you learn how to be both growing up? No. So interesting fact, you know, um, when my dad was uh, working out in Massachusetts and uh, I was growing up in Wheatland. So I guess let me, let me scale back a little bit. So my dad was a union electrician and whenever um, it's basically like a military family, you know, wherever the work was, we kind of went. Gotcha. And um, 
up until sixth grade, uh, you know, we, we were in Wheatland and he was out at the powerhouse. And then I guess from about fourth to sixth grade, he was working out in Boston. So my mom and I, uh, me being an only child, we would go out there and spend Christmas and spend the summers out in Massachusetts. It was great. And my sixth grade year, I guess it was about two or three weeks before the, the summer break, uh, our house actually burned down in Wheatland. Wow. And uh, so it was kind of like, it was like, well, we were going to go out to Massachusetts this summer and let's just move out there. And so that's kind of what we did. We moved out to Massachusetts. And so all of those summers, in the meantime, I really didn't get a little league because you kind of know how the little league season is. You know, it starts up a little bit before you get out of school. Uh, well, I can never start that because I was always going out to Massachusetts for the summers. Right. And I was I, I was always going to be out there. And so it's like we it couldn't get on the team. And then I never really finally got on the team until we officially moved out to Massachusetts. So I never played Little League baseball at all. And um, my very first team sport um, outside of, you know, like sixth grade, fourth to sixth grade basketball. And and it wasn't much in Wyoming, you know, just kind of like, hey, you're going to play it for three months and then you're done. Um, my very first team organizational sport was out in baseball uh, when I was, you know, after sixth grade in Massachusetts. And it was a whole different deal out there, man. Like all these kids have played Little League their whole lives. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I'm coming into – I'm not going to say I'm like the kid in the sandlot that didn't know how to throw a baseball the first time he held one. <laughs> but it, it wasn't a whole hell of a lot better than that. You know, it was right there. And so that was my first organizational sport playing baseball. And that's when I realized I was a left-handed pitcher and a batter. And, you know, if I could get pretty good at it, this might – you know, behoove me to play baseball because that's a good thing to be a left-handed pitcher. And so that's kind of when I was into the team sports. Brought all the lefty out of you. Uh, yeah, I didn't baseball, man. I didn't put it together. I couldn't put it the eye, the, the eye ball coordination that way together. So I didn't do it. I played soccer and uh, other sports. Then later on, I played softball and was actually pretty good at it. So I should have stayed with baseball, but that never was the case. I gave up too quickly. Uh, yeah, and that whole left-handed thing. Um, turns out there's it works out well in baseball as far as pitching goes because it's hard to hit off lefties, and it's hard to pitch to lefties, especially those young ages. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I got out to Massachusetts, uh, we had a hockey rink in our middle school. And that was to me like mind blowing, you know, coming out there at 12, 13 years old in seventh grade and you have a hockey rink in the middle of the school. And I never seen that, you know, being in Wyoming, I, I had no idea how to skate. Uh, I've roller skated before up until then, but you know, the kids in Massachusetts, as soon as they can walk, they're skating and everybody was hardcore hockey players. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I, I don't know what hockey is. I, I just don't under, I don't understand this. And, uh, you know, so that was one more thing I wasn't good at, but I gave it a whirl to try and skate when I got out there. And it was just, it was just a whole new world out in Massachusetts, man, with, with baseball and skating and, and, and the Red Sox passion out there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and, and what you see now with the Patriots, it, it just, it just, it's on a whole nother level. 
that you just don't see. And so, you know, when, when hockey rolled around, everyone's like, Hey, what do you think about the Bruins? I don't know who the Bruins are, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know any of this, but it was, uh, it, it was cool growing up out there in those impressionable ages, you know, from like 12 to 15. I could see, like, I definitely lived in a split world. I grew up on the East West coast, uh, in Portland and I still have family out there and everything. And so moving here was the change of a lifetime. Um, I was wondering if there would be paved streets. And uh, it was interesting to have access to college football, to college sports, really easy here in Laramie. And it wasn't the case out growing up in Oregon. And so that was pretty cool to be around the University of Wyoming and their sports and stuff like that. but I did feel that Boston uh, passion when I moved to the East Coast because I lived in New York for a bit. And uh, it was interesting. I'm not a big fan of Boston, the city. Just I had bad tour guides, uh, I think. Um, and I went there once for work. So not very good impressions. And then it was just, you know, well, I'm a Yankee fan. So we have to hate the Red Sox. Might as well hate the city too. So it just became that thing for a little while. Um, isn't your dad a Yankee fan? Big time, man. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Yeah. Uh, a humongo Yankee fan. And uh, and still to this day, so he's 80 now. He's going to be 81 here in a couple of weeks. And everything's about the Yankees for him. And uh, there's a lot of things he doesn't remember, but he can tell you who threw – 20 days ago, he could tell you how many pitches, yeah. you know, big time Yankee fan. And, uh, and it was really fun, you know, so back in 08, when they shut down uh, the original Yankee stadium, yeah. um, you know, I mean, there's Yankee stadium now, but you know it as well as I do. It's not the Yankee stadium. Yes. Uh, so original Yankee stadium, when, when they closed it down in 08, uh, my father and I, we went out there and we spent a week, I went to two ball games and me being a Red Sox fan, you know, it, it was something that was really cool to see the history and the nostalgia of everything involved with the ballpark. And, and I have a respect for that. I, I respect, you know, I may hate the Yankees in general, but I have to give it up to Jeter. I have to give it up to A-Rod. I, 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 I respect what these guys did as players in the, And so when I got out there and we were lucky enough to be out there for old timers day. And, and so for my dad, I mean, that was, that was great. And I didn't think it was going to happen because when we got there, it was raining like a bitch, man. I didn't think they were going to get the game in and it was raining so hard and they ended up just kind of having an abbreviated thing, but to see, you know, now this year we lost Whitey Ford and we lost, um, you know, a lot of legends in the, in the, in the game with Bob Gibson and uh, and some of those folks this year, but I was lucky enough to get to see Yogi Berra and, and Whitey Ford and, and some of these guys. And and, and I, I give it up to a man like I, I can respect the game enough to be like, God damn it, I hate the Yankees, but I will respect everything that, that they've done. And I can see where my dad, you know, loved them. Uh, but I can't and I will I would I will never love them. <laughs> But, but the hate I have, like, like, like Derek Jeter, man, like the guy that you hate the most, um, you know, being a Celtics fan, you, you hate Magic Johnson, right? 
but you respect what he did and you're like, oh man, if he was wearing the green and white, you'd love him. Same thing with, with Jeter. And, um, and so for some of those guys, you know, seeing some of those Yankees, uh, that was really cool. And, uh, and I'll respect what they do. I met Aaron Boone last year in San Diego, which was really cool, but, uh, but I, I can't bring it in my heart to cheer for him, but I'll respect him if that makes sense. You're, you're a, you're a sports fan. And sure. it's so you respect the game and there's great players in the game regardless. And so, and even though it's a rival, you got to give it up for great players. I was just, there was a old, a Silent Live sketch on, I was just watching not too long ago. I had no Mar Garcia Parra. And I really hadn't thought about that dude in a long time. And I was like, damn, he was so good. And uh, yeah, there's some Red Sox that I love to hate, but they were just awesome to play against. I mean, just amazing players. Uh, it reminds me of, I was in, I lived in New York and it was the first game played after 9-11 and it was uh, Braves versus the Mets. Yeah. And was, that the, was that the Piazza game um, when he hit the bomb? He might have. We had left. Uh, we were probably on the street by then. I was there on the news side of it, but we were covering. It was the first game. I was in the, the dugout, the Braves dugout, and there's like Glavin and Chipper and everything. I hate the Braves too. So, but yet I'm in there going, just geeking out as a fan going, I'm like shoulder to shoulder in this momentous moment. But yet, you know, I, I'm just trying to hold together and I can't believe there's some great sports legends like standing right next to me. And that was pretty cool. Uh, there's some cool things that I definitely got to do because my job in New York. Uh, and you had to, you had to fanboy out a little bit, right? Yeah, like, I did. I nudged like my reporter and she was like, Oh yeah, I know. Like she, she was feeling it too. Like we're in the dugout with the Braves, you know, like, and they're good. Like <laughs> so and they're I, the Braves and yeah, you know, they're the Braves. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I had, so, so when I was in San Diego last December and uh, I met Aaron Boone and, and he was, uh, let, let's, let's put this into context. He was hammered. Right. Uh -huh. So, so they had just signed Garrett Cole to that huge deal. Okay. And so he's tuned up, right? I mean, he's a little, little bit into this. And I saw him out in, in the lobby of the hotel. And I was like, hey, Mr. Boone, like, nice to meet you. I was like, I'm a humongous Red Sox fan. But, man, my dad's a huge Yankee fan. And I'm sure he'd love you. And, and all he said to me, you know, before he gave me a hug and he posted a picture, like, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was it, right? So I was like, all right, man, I think – Think things are good, and and you know we 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 have more things to worry about than than who we love and who we hate in baseball, right? Oh yeah, sports. Like I, I maybe it's just get we got older. Um, I just I don't hold the grudges, and I and I like I used to in my twenties about sports, and I get over things a little easier, and it's it's just great to have them actually in this day and age. It's just great to have sports, but it's weird that I'm not the super fan I used to be. And all it is, is just because I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. It's kind of hard to have that fire burn so hot each and every, I can't be a super fan all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's just difficult. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't afford it. You can't, your, your heart can't handle it. Yeah. And 
and all yeah your heart can't handle it and there's other things in life that sometimes require attention besides the sports love sports don't get me wrong anything like that they're good distraction too also in these these this day and age and uh so we'll circle back growing up wheatland wyoming we 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 vegas man we vegas like doug mater would call it we Uh, vegas did, did you, you graduate high school there? Or did you graduate high school in Laramie? All right. So here's here's the deal with with the, with the whole if we, we if we circle back and the whole yeah. house burning down and all that stuff. Oh, so yeah. so uh, Wheatland, all the way up until sixth grade, uh, Boston sixth to tenth grade, and then back into Wheatland. So okay. gra- graduated high school in Wheatland, and um, only thing I played in high school sports was golf. Um, and, uh, and Legion baseball. Oh, so we did Legion baseball for two years and that was it in Wheatland. Yeah. So did you know you wanted to go to the university of Wyoming or were you just wanted to go to college? Uh, yes. And yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So, uh, my senior year, I, I was roofing houses after, you know, while I was going to school and, and it was kind of one of those things with me. It was like, um, I don't know what else I'm going to do, man. Let's just go to UW. And so I wouldn't say that I was really passionate about wanting to go to the university, but, you know, unless I wanted to keep roofing houses, you know, after my senior, you know, after I get done with high school, um, that was really the only option I had. So, so that was a plan that I had and came over to Laramie. And it's funny, man, because, you know, like when, when you graduate high school and, and you have a plan and you figure out what you're going to do uh, or your parents have a plan for you. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, man. As soon as I graduated, my parents, they said, fuck it, man, we're moving to Arizona. And huh. they, they left, man. My mom said, I'm tired of the cold. And so when I graduated high school, they moved to Phoenix and they've been there ever since. Wow. Like that's, I mean, it seems like the kind of Wyoming thing is, wherever you may come from in Wyoming, your parents kind of are still there. So you can go back home. You're like, I got yeah, it didn't happen with me, man. new home, Arizona. If I want to see them. Yep. They bailed. They were done. Um, you know, I graduated in May. They were gone by August. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I went, I mean, I graduated high school here from Laramie and went to UW, but I didn't live, I lived at home here and there, but not not very much during my college career. But it was nice to have them as a safety net. I'll say that for sure. Or laundry, or yeah. Um, they both. Anna, Anna was Anna was a phone call, you know. So like then it wasn't like a text message, like oh, hey yeah. what's up or hey you know in you know nineteen ninety four nineteen ninety five you know you had to call somebody, and uh, if I needed something it was them transferring money to me. It yeah. wasn't like oh hey here's your ATM card or you know. The stuff that the kids don't realize now. So, go to the University of Wyoming. You're a freshman, so you live in dorms. What dorms you live in? I was in uh, 330 White Hall. Wow. I was I was right on the corner, and uh, and the fun thing for us was I don't know if you remember it, but everybody had to walk right across that little area there where the stoplight was, and it was slick as shit, man. It was always icy right there. <laughs> And so there were some days where we just didn't get out of bed and we just watched people fall on the ice. And that's kind of what we did. Uh, wait, no. Did I live in the dorms? No. 
but I was one of them that fell eventually once. Right there, you would go right across 15th and... Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I was in McIntyre. I did it two years. I was a glutton for punishment. But but my second year, really, I like had a corner um, room by myself and it was like right next to the stairs that went let outside. So I, we just propped the door open. So I never really went past the, the RAs at the desk that often. Um, I didn't hang out with anybody in the dorms. It was a place where I slept. I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't really like, like I had friends in Laramie already. I was from Laramie. And so I didn't get that dorm experience. Did you like meet a lot of people in the dorms? I did. I I was on the third floor and I met a lot of cool dudes on the second floor from Cheyenne. Right. And they, they were really good guys. And you probably remember uh, Animaniacs. And so we used to watch oh, yeah. Anim- Animaniacs every day. And, uh, and and the roommate that I got, uh, we weren't, I guess, assigned together, but he was on the floor. He was from Massachusetts. So it was like, hey, man, I lived in Massachusetts a few years ago, you know, and then we hit it off and he introduced me to beer bongs and all sorts of things. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I had a lot of friends in the dorms. Actually, I, for me, the dorms were great. Uh, the dorms and the Newman Center were the two places for me that I met so many people that, you know, to this day, I'm still, you know, close with as, as much as I can be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being from Laramie and going to college here, you kind of cut yourself out because you already know people. You probably know the people older than you where the parties are at, all that. People have apartments. Uh, it's interesting. Well, you're older than me, and I know you, so. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And uh, I had a roommate from Germany that he was 21, but I had a fake ID, so I became a very popular person. And uh, so I, the dorms weren't, I, I wasn't, it was good, uh, good to hear you had a good experience because a lot of people don't. Or they had the worst roommate from hell. Um, Ryan was all right. Like I said, I, I just slept there most of the time. It wasn't really a spot where I yeah. all that much. Um, so did you know what you wanted to major? I was like you, man. I, I had a I had a fake ID too. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. I had I had a fake ID as well. But yeah. I couldn't grow any facial hair at the time. And so the fake ID that I had was not very good for me. And so it kind of worked, but it kind of didn't. Um, but what were you asking? Did I know what I was going to oh. major in? Or Yeah, but also with my fake, it was me. It was a uh, Oregon identification card. I grew up there. So I knew the stats. I knew everything pretty easily on there. If you quiz me about Oregon and the area, I would have known it. Um, but I was 22. And I have a baby face still. And so it was hard to pass on that one. Like, they're like, are you sure you're 20? You know, 22 like you don't look but do you remember also man like it it was it was a side view like there was a side view the wyoming license oh yeah if you were underage you know you had the side profile but when you turned 21 you got the full-on profile yeah so it's like you really you really couldn't fake those ids man like it couldn't be yours you know it had to be somebody else's that you you know got somehow yeah that was oh yeah i used to yeah i remember bouncing and someone tried to come on the side like yeah right try again <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah so i i didn't know you know i was really and to this day i'm still very bad at math and so i didn't know what i wanted to do 
And so I went into elementary education okay. and, and started with that and, and did school for, for a couple of years. And I was working at Clear Brothers Furniture at the time. I was selling, I uh, wasn't selling furniture, but I was delivering. So if I had classes in the morning, I'd go work at Clear Brothers in the afternoon and, um, you know, make some money delivering furniture. And, and, um, and then it turned out to be in selling furniture. And then I just, I, I just really didn't have any motivation to go back to school, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it was tough. I tried it. I just couldn't get back into the flow. And I probably, that's probably when I met you guys at Lovejoy's and, and just, you know, couldn't get back into it. <laughs> I, wow, uh, school took me six years and, um, I was not very male motivated. I always say, I wish I would have taken time off, but then I probably wouldn't have finished. Um, but I definitely needed some sort of like, I don't know, not military, but some sort of like preschool, <laughs> I don't know, pre-college thing that kind of prepares you for all that freedom because my parents weren't necessarily like strict on me but i was probably more strict same because i was same thing. yeah um they were like my mom would be always be when at high school she's like well you got to get up in the morning and that pretty much made me you know go to sleep early but in college whatever no and i couldn't like i couldn't stress it hard enough to college kids to the day don't take 8 a.m classes just don't don't fool yourself <laughs> Yeah, unless you're already used to that stuff, right? Yeah. As a freshman, probably not. Like, don't, like, because you're going to realize, like, your parents aren't there to push you and make you go. You're not going to go. And when it's negative 20 out, like, in Laramie, Wyoming, as it can get. Yeah, yeah. you ain't going at all. No. Uh, there was too many times, like, I'm parking four blocks away to not walk in negative 30. No, I'm good. Uh, so let's stay here another semester. And how many times did you like not find a parking spot? So you just went back home. Easy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, but after a while, I worked uh, on campus for UW TV. And so I was a studio supervisor and we had a parking pass that I would take for myself a lot of the time. So sometimes that made, got me going to class. But well, I did a lot of that. Um, I think it was a rite of passage, like don't go to class because you can't find a parking spot. I think a lot of people, probably still to the day. Absolutely. Are that way. We need a parking garage would probably be an adequate thing to do for student parking right now. But yeah, it was just one more thing I could put in the excuse bank to not have to go. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, well, you talked about, I didn't get to Lovejoy's till, um, 2003 is when I started hanging out there. And uh, and I thought you were honestly, I usually ask this question, but we kind of relate into it. I honestly thought you were like older than me. I had no idea. I couldn't, like, I'm sure in college, because you what, you graduated in 94 high school? I did, I did. I bet we ran in some of the same circles, for sure. For sure. Like we knew a lot of the same people probably in college, but I don't remember meeting until I was at Lovejoy's 2003. And I thought you were like some old hotshot, like manager coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was well, like, right you. on. I was like, right on. Cool. You know, we, I mean, I, I seemed like times were booming, so we needed it. 
kind of needed more management and but yeah god do you remember that place though like you know I, and i even tell the staff that i have now and so you know i'm twice the age of the people that work for me right now at the library uh, and i was like man if, if you could have seen the library or i mean excuse me lovejoy's on the thursday oh my goodness <laughs> it was it was always thursday and friday at lovejoy's they're like no way get out i was like no you have no idea you have no idea how cool that place was. Uh, I mean, as cheesy as it was, they had like, remember Friends and Fajitas on Thursday nights? You know, it was all you could eat, Fajitas, and they showed the episode of Friends. And it was like, are you kidding me? And, and now everyone's like, oh, we love Friends. You know, we see Friends now. That's what we did back then. Uh, Jack and Coke and I, I mean, my goodness, like Lovejoy's was a place to be. I did. I remember, wasn't Lovejoy's, but a place had, 50 cent shots of tequila during friends yeah and four dollar four dollar uh all you can eat pizza and wings from four to six on friday and they had that buffet set up back by the bathrooms and yeah it was it was like a whole different ball game oh yeah like people don't believe like the lines out the door at lovejoys and and pictures of booze like eight dollar pictures of jack and coke like it would go like all night all, all night and yeah and you'd be like oh just share one and i was like share oh, who are you <laughs> and it's not like they put a little bit of jack in there no it was it, it, that was crazy to go i came back from new york to work at and then i started working at lovejoys and i couldn't believe like you know go from new york prices east coast prices to that i was like what wow yes I will pay for everybody's picture here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, and how I got to be a DJ there was crazy. Like, Kara had come to the parlor, and I was a DJ there in college. And she was like, you were DJ at the parlor. You'll be our new DJ here at Lovejoy's. And I was like, okay. I applied to be a bouncer at Lovejoy's originally and ended up DJ. So... That was it. That was Lovejoy's is great. Spin, s, s, spinning the wheels of steel. Yeah. I mean, to fall into DJing again is it was always great. The first time around, I got to, to DJ at the parlor. The manager was like, Rude, do you like music? And I was like, Well, yeah. And he's like, Do you want to be our new Thursday DJ? And that was how I got the job. There was no like, you're good at music, you know what you're doing. None of that. It was you're just yeah, and, DJ. And, and, and Thursday was a night, you yes. know, back then. That was the that was the weekend. That's when it kicked off. And yes. that's when it was so much fun. So when did like you you start working in the industry? In the, the server industry? Sure. So it was about 99. I started working uh, over at Altitude. We opened up in November of 99. And I started washing dishes in there and then worked my way to cooking and then into serving. And uh, a summertime gig was working out at the territorial park when that was going. Um, you know, the, uh, the people that own Lovejoy's and Altitude had the rights to that. And so I worked the, the um, chuck wagon, that's what it was called. Did the chuck wagon for a few days and then worked the dinner theater at the horse barn. And when the summer got over, kind of worked out into um, serving and managing back at Altitude when uh, when the school year kicked off again. 
And then from there, that's kind of where the start was, was through Greg and Karen Smith at the time. Wow. And how many, wow, that is what, 20 years? 20 years. So, so ni- 99 to 03, I was at Altitude full-time. Okay. And then left there and did the Go Fast gig for a little bit, selling energy drink um, out of Denver for a couple years and and uh, got back into it, um, you know, hiatus at the music box and doing retail for a while and then back into I guess a restaurant gig in, uh, in 2011 and, you know, various places. So have you always, I can't recall it here. Have you always lived in Laramie? Did you venture out from Laramie? I did. I, um, I was based out of Denver in 03, but I still stayed here in Laramie and I, I traveled a lot in Northern Colorado, uh, Broomfield, Boulder, Greeley kind of area. Uh, but I never actually officially moved to Colorado. I, I stayed here in Laramie, kept residency here, and then uh, stayed here full time until um, until 2015. And then I moved out to Memphis for almost four years and uh, got into Memphis and worked in the McAllisters, ran in McAllisters. You know, if you're familiar with Laramie McAllisters, same thing. Uh, did that for a few months and. Uh, I know you know it. I don't know if your listeners will know, but uh, but Jeff Mack, who is is uh, is is a big name in in Laramie from growing up and doing University of Wyoming athletics, uh, announcing in places. So Jeff Mack got me a job selling baseball equipment, and so I worked with Jeff for almost four years before I came back here in 2018. I've been back here ever since. Jeff, if you're listening, we, we want you on the show. I'll get a hold of you. I gotta talk to him. My goodness, man, that, that guy, uh, he, uh, you know him with the voice he has and, oh. and, and, and just how, how humble of a guy he is. He, I, I never thought he would leave Laramie and I don't know what you thought of that when, oh. when he, when he left, but he, he was, he was made for this and that was his dream job and he loved everything here, but he is doing so fantastic in Memphis and, and is very happy with what he does. He's got a wife, he's got a couple of kids and uh, just a, good dude his brother george is still around here in the area somewhere but uh you know a, a good laramie family and uh i owe a lot to jeff jeff really took care of me the few years i was out in memphis good he like i interviewed him when he was the voice of the laramie cults and he was yeah. playing that's when he kind of first was starting doing the pa stuff before he came and went to the arena and everything um and I'm cutting his interview together and I text him and I'm like, you sound like Tiger Woods verbatim. Like they said, and he's like, he just responds back. Yeah. It's uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks like him too. If you have, ever have him on a video yeah. interview, it's the same thing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's uncanny. My other Jeff Mack story, karaoke, love joys. I hated doing it unless he came in because he could nail every grunge song perfect was the perfect like he'd be like oh want some uh stone temple pilots i got that would nail the song just in every song really yeah like like whatever it was and and he brought the people in yes and so i was like yes i got excited so like now i'm like now i gotta get jeff on this show now i gotta Uh, get the show for sure um so let's see we've covered 
Now you're in school. You talked about that, the off air. So you're back in school, right? Foolishly, foolishly, man. <laughs> I just, I don't know what I'm thinking with this. So, so I'm managing it full time at the library and I got back here June of 2018. I've been doing that ever since. So I'm the general manager there. And, um, I just always wanted to finish school and I never did. And there was never really a reason to, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, maybe you get it like, I guess it was too important for me to get up early for an 8 a.m. primer than to get up for an 8 a.m. class. And, and, and that's how I did a lot of my school. And I just fucked off more than I really cared about school. And, um, and you know, I got really lucky with Greg Smith and I got a good gig with that. And, and really a lot of the jobs I've got, I've never had to interview, you know, it's just, it was kind of like who you knew and, you know, it's really worked out very well for me and, you know, not bragging, but I haven't really needed an education, so to speak, but I went to school, uh, you know, I have a few hours under my belt and then, um, you know, got back here and I didn't need the education when I was selling baseball equipment out in Memphis you know, really didn't have to have it. That was a great job. Uh, but now that I've been back here, it's a lot of uncertainty with COVID going on. And, you know, it was pretty scary when we, when we shut down in, in March, like just no warning, like, boom, you guys are closed. You, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Well, are we going to be open next week, next month? You know, how's it going to work? And so, you know, we're one of these industries that's been really affected by COVID. And so it got, I, and I took, I started taking a class last semester and I thought, Hey, maybe I can finish up with an ANS degree, just like a general studies degree and, and take all the hours that I've accumulated and turn it into something. And so that's what I did. Took one, one class last semester and now this semester I have two and it's really kind of kicking my ass. And I'm thinking, man, man, did I do the right thing? You know, do I have enough time? Uh, but it's, it's been good. And I think I'm going to get by. I'll, I'll probably pass both of these two classes uh, and then probably do it again next semester. Um, I, I got the COVID money. So they had the YO Cares Act, which was some money that, you know, if anybody out there is, is our age or in the same situation where you think it maybe you should go back. Um, do it because the wild cares will give you money to go back to school. You know, you don't, you don't have to really necessarily pay it back like a loan. It's, it's fantastic. And, and so, so I took that and, uh, and uh, yeah, doing two classes, doing the radio with Eric, uh, you know, two or three days a week. I've, I've taken a little time off uh, over the past couple of weeks, but we talk a little bit about sports. Uh, that's what it turned out to be. Um, when we started, it was mostly about COVID because we didn't have sports to talk about. But we're getting back into sports and uh, we're getting uh, getting into that for, you know, an hour and a half, three times a week. And it's really fun. Nice. And what's that? Where's that? Do you do your radio? Yeah. So we're on 93.5. It's KOCA. We're located up in the um, Laramie Plains Civic Center, um, obviously made very famous by Kenny Sailors. Yes. And, you know, the gym that you'll see if you ever watch a jump shot movie uh, and a lot of cool things going on up there. There's uh, buildings that are, excuse me, rooms that are rented out in the building. They used to have a coffee shop down there. I don't know if they're going to get that back after COVID, but a lot of cool things going on up there. So, you know, Eric approached me in April and said, hey, do you want to do this? And I, eh, I don't know, man, I, I didn't really take it seriously, but uh, but we've, we've had fun with it and we've had 
great banter and conversation with everything you can think of. And I'm really happy now that lately we've got to talk about sports because <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of the political stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's where um, my radio career started at KOCA. Uh, jamming with DJ Rude was born there. And then um, took a digital. Now it's on Cowboy Joe Radio. But yes, I know that uh, studio well. Uh, that room very well. So when I saw you were doing that, I was like, nah, I've been there. I've yeah. Been there. Uh, and, and that equipment is super old. I mean, it's yeah. probably the same stuff that you worked with. Yes. And it was, I'm, I think there was a board there, maybe prior to the one that's in there right now um, that had the chalk marks on it from when we were in broadcasting in the nineties. Um, so you would put a mark on it. So that's where you'd set your level at. It was interesting when I walked in uh, to start working as a DJ there. I was like, wow, I've used this board before, but it was about uh, 20 years ago, it felt like. And uh, the newer board is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that wasn't one I worked on. It. But I did work on it, KOCA, four five years ago now. Yeah, and I never thought I would get into that. You know, he uh, asked me, and I kind of thought it was like an April Fool's joke. So. I took a picture on Facebook, um, you know, when COVID hit and everybody had their background pictures. So I took a picture in front of all the baseballs and the things that I have in my office. And I put, put on Facebook, said, oh, now I'm qualified to be a sports center anchor. <laughs> and, and, and like the next day, you know, Eric sends me a, a Facebook message. He goes, hey, are you serious about this? I'm like, serious about what? And he goes, hey, do you want to do radio? I was like, I don't know. But I don't know Eric well enough. So I'm thinking, right, it's April Fool's. He's, maybe he's not messing with me. You know, maybe he wants me to do this. And and I gave it a go. And and here we are a few months later uh, just doing it. It's pretty fun. So things you fall into. Right. And it's just a hobby thing right now. I mean, you know, I don't I don't know that Eric, if Eric gets paid for it. I know I don't get paid for it. But it's just something that's really cool to do. It's kind of how the podcast was born out of COVID, sort of. Um, I've been thinking about it for a while. I listen to podcasts. I like interviews. And I was like, I talk a lot about myself on my radio shows. And I was like, wait a minute. I get my friends to talk about themselves. Those would be some great stories, some better stories, some more interesting, not the same stories. And so I set up my first interview and I knew COVID was kind of coming and it was in March. And literally my first interview on the show is the only one I've done face to face. The rest were done via Zoom, which I am an administrator at the university for. I've been using Zoom for the last uh, four years. And so I was like, I'm tying two things that I like <laughs> together that I know. And my friends get, get to catch up with people, um, even though you're in the same town. Uh, it's great to still catch up and not have to worry about being in a place where there could be some COVID or anything like that. So it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And my true goal is to take this thing on the road and go see my friends all around the United States, maybe around the world and get their stories, you know, common folk, you know, and you were talking about, uh, you went back to school and you're like, well, maybe education, you know, wasn't my thing the first time around. I haven't needed so far. And I'm always tell people that, yeah, don't feel like you have to go to college always because sometimes you can survive and make it, but 
we always need to be educated, you know, keep educating ourselves. I'm sure, sure. you've learned a lot in your world. Well, you know, it's always a street smarts, you know, it's, it's yeah. a little bit better than the book smarts, I think. And, uh, you know, if you have some of that, I think you'll, you'll go a long way. Uh, like I said, man, I've just been blessed to, to be fortunate with some of the people that have, have taken a chance on me, yeah. uh, whether it's in my, you know, I personal relationships or my work relationships that, um, that's where I feel very, very blessed and very lucky, um, to, you know, you're right. It's, it's who, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I could stop doing what I'm doing right now. And I think I'd still be okay if, if, if I needed to be, and, and you're probably in the same boat, you know, if you, if you quit doing whatever you're doing right now, you'd still be okay. You know, you might not be in the greatest situation, but with the people that you've met and the people, you know, you, you can, you can carry on. And that's kind of one of the things I've, I've taught, you know, my folks that work for me, it's like, you know, put your head down, get your job done, get your school done, but don't forget the people that you wait on that ask for you, on a day-to-day basis and say, Hey, you know, is, is so-and-so working today? Because these are the people that, you know, could be a reference for you down the road and, uh, and could help you where you don't even think about it. And I've seen that in at least a handful of situations you might've too. Um, so it, it's crazy how all of this stuff works out. Real world networking. It still exists beyond Facebook. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Before that stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I joined a fraternity so I could get more networking. I haven't used any of those connections, but I realized that it made networking kind of stuck out in my life then and was like, you can still meet people at the fraternity, but it made me think about actually networking with people. And yes, there is a Facebook network and everything, and there's all sorts of different social medias and stuff, but Nothing beats face-to-face, person. No, it it never will, man. I I think that those relationships that you make, I have relationships that that I made in Tennessee that I never thought I would still use, uh, but they're always there. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's been a few years, but I always tell the, the people I work with, it's like, don't take those things for granted. You know, don't take for granted the people that you keep talking to two or three times a week because it, it really is important. Um, and, and you know, they will become kind of somewhat of a family to you. Oh, yeah. Well, developing a regular at a bar and such or a restaurant is great. And because they do worry about and care about you. And, if, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And if you ever to go missing, your regulars will remember. They will right yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are the people you talk to like yep she wasn't here yesterday she's gone so, yep so, Tra- track him down track him down track him down well man i want to i want to thank you for being on my podcast thank you time. and uh hey what's the score uh we're watching uh, we got the uh, uh minute 50 left and it's tied up at 27 wow some scoring happened all right, that was Jets Patriots. One is a Patriots fan, not their bestest of years, but something to build from. Hopefully, they beat the Jets tonight by the time. No, we- and let's make it really clear that you know I'm a Pats fan. I've been yes. a Pats fan since I was, like I said, at that young impressionable age when I was out in Massachusetts. I'm a Tom Brady fan, so I will cheer for the Bucks. But um, I cannot bring myself to 
care any little even inkling about the Broncos. So anything that the Broncos oh. do, don't, don't care. Do not care mm-hmm. at all. And I know you being a Niners guy, you could you could get behind that with me. Yes, I hate where I live. I know where we live, where I call it the sphere of influence by the Denver Broncos. And um, I could go on and on about my run-ins with the fan base. And so it's always good when you have, you know, mutual hatred towards. We could have an hour with just that, I think. Yes, yes. Um, but, uh, but I don't want to go into that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I could have a whole hour about it. And I've lived in places where the Broncos should not be relevant. And somehow they became relevant in moments. But that's another podcast. Maybe we'll grab a bunch of uh, anti-Bronco fans together. Uh, I think it would. Be no, I think you got to go. Ha- you got to go half and half. I think yeah. you got to get a few that are on that side and a few that aren't. So and, you know, super over the top Bronco fans, and then like a bunch of haters. Yes, yeah, fun. And you're gonna need um, two hour, two hours, I think, on that one. Two hours. Oh yes, I've pulled together. I got so many ideas. I definitely have to have a Star Wars one. Um, I have some friends. They do this big thing for the Oscars, so I'm gonna have an Oscar one for with them. Yeah, there's so many themed. Uh, podcast I'm going to have coming up in the future. Maybe you'll be on the next one, like a server one or Lovejoy's one. I could definitely do that one. And you would definitely have to be a part of it. Whatever you need, my man. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. And uh, as always, go folks. I kind of glossed over how Juan and I met or at least how I remember it. He was hired as an assistant manager at Lovejoy's, the bar I DJed at back in the early 2000s. I thought he was a hotshot manager brought in to bring some structure to the place. I think we were between house managers at the time, and we needed the structure. One time Juan asked me if I wanted to host and sit people at Lovejoy's before I started my night DJing. He thought it would be cool for people to interact with the DJ before I started playing. Not a bad idea. I had and still do have a full-time job at the University of Wyoming. And at that time period, I was sometimes on call up to when I DJed. So it wasn't necessarily a good idea for me. Plus, I was the talent. Now, as you heard in the interview, Juan still works in the restaurant industry. And the restaurant industry has been hit hard by COVID-19. And now that winter has come upon us here in Laramie and a lot of Wyoming, you can't just sit outside and eat anymore, but you can order food to go or for delivery. Check your favorite restaurants' websites, and they most likely will have either curbside service or delivery service. So check it out. I have diabetes, so my immune system, it's compromised, so I stay home. But if you are in good health, like you've had a good recent physical, go out and eat. You may be the only one in the place, but hey, quick service. Now, until we can fully get people back into restaurants, vaccine coming, the government needs to step in and help out with either money or more uh, stuff to test, more stuff to clean. Uh, They need to be the government we need them to be. Now, I hope we can hold on until January when we have new leadership in the White House that actually has a plan for Americans.
on to the next podcast.